You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Listen, here's what I want to do today. I want to take something that really is an industry focus in one field and apply it to personal training. And this was a big part of my education when I was going through the program at Cal U. The education there was great. So I did their master's degree program in exercise science. And then a few years later, I went back and I did their doctoral program. And that doctoral program was interesting to me because it covered three things. The three things primarily were, and and they were divided in, into thirds on how much work you did in each one, but it was exercise science. Then there was uh, leadership specifically for the fitness industry. And then a third of the classes were on adult education. And part of the reason that it was on adult education is because they assuming that people with their doctorate would then go on and teach and educate. So what are some of the best techniques that are out there for education and working with the adult learner? And there's a difference between what the adult learner does and how they learn and what the youth learner does and how they learn. And so the questions start to arise. Well, if this is the way that adults deal with their own education, will adults also deal with this similarly with their own fitness. And I think that you'll find some of the things that we're gonna talk about today pretty interesting. So I wanna talk about a couple of things. One is there's a term called, in education called pedagogy. And it's really oftentimes referred to as child-focused learning, but it tends to be something where you'll see things like scaffolding. So you learn a little bit and you build on top of it and you build on top of it. And that's through uh, all education, a, a building process. Well, that's applied in fitness. You don't jump into things that you're not prepared for yet, but it tends to be teacher centered. And what that means is that the teacher has a plan, the teacher's idea. And so the children are just there to listen to what the teacher says. And there are a lot of trainers out there that train that way. They are trainer-centered teachers where I've got the plan, I've got the program, I have all the answers, and you should fall in line with my coaching. And that's not necessarily wrong. And some people prefer that. They like to just shut off and go on autopilot and let you as the trainer dictate what's going to be going on. It's fine. But It also tends to be a lot of external motivation where I'm relying on you as the coach, you as the trainer to motivate me. And then if I don't see you, then do I have any motivation to ever do things on my own? And so what we look at for an adult learner in the world of education is something called andragogy. And andragogy is oftentimes referred to as an adult focused learning. And that tends to be learner centered. And it's unfortunate, right? Sometimes that that just because we're working with youth, that it's teacher-centered, but when we're working with adults, it's learner-centered. But I will say this, that adults will come to a, a, a training program in order to solve some problems. And we're gonna get into that in just a moment. And what are the educational principles that are behind it? They want to solve a problem. And 
how can it be teacher-centered or coach-centered when it's my problem that needs to be solved? So it needs to be centered around the client. The education needs to be centered around the adult learner. So it can typically lead to a more internally motivated um, uh, adherence that takes place because it's self-directed. And these self-directed learners tend to learn better and they have a better drive. So what I'm gonna look at is what are some of the principles that we can apply from adult education to personal training? And so this way, uh, for those of you who are in education, might be familiar with Malcolm Knowles. And Malcolm Knowles had four principles of teaching that when I first read about, the first thing I did was think, well, how can I apply this to personal training? So here, let's just go over some of the principles of teaching. And what I'll look at is it, we'll, we'll apply this to principles of training. So just make that correlation immediately. Adults, this is number one, adults need to be involved in the planning and evaluation of their instruction. Now that's a far cry from what happens in education in general, which is I have this plan and you fall into it. But when I look at it, an, an adult being involved in their planning and evaluation of their training sessions, to me, initially when I thought about this, I was like, what? No, I was that trainer. I was like, don't come in here and let me hear you say, as a trainer, don't let me hear you say, what do you want to do today? Because I was like, clearly you haven't considered what needs to be done today. You don't have a program prepared. You don't know what's going on, so you're just asking them because you're ill-prepared. Well, that may be the case in, in, in why people were saying that, but it's not a bad idea because getting somebody involved in their own planning, this is why when I sit down a lot of times with new people, I'll even pull out the, the OPT model and I'll talk through my idea of progress but then I want to find out what their experiences are like because you are going to now contribute. And if you don't contribute, you put everything into my hands, I'll take it and I'll run with it. But at this point, I'm going to try to pull some stuff out of you because I don't know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So that takes us then to our next point. If adults want to be involved in the planning and evaluation of their training, then let's look at the next point in Malcolm Knowles um, principles here. And it says experience, including mistakes, provide the basis for the learning activity. Because people don't come to us as blank slates. As an adult, if I just assume you don't know what I'm talking about, then it can be really condescending at, from the teacher because this is an adult. I don't know what you know and I don't know what you don't know. Same thing with personal training or fitness. You've had experiences with fitness. You've had experiences that may have led you to say, I have zero interest in fitness. Why? Because this happened when I was in middle school PE class and it was awful and it has made me feel awful for my entire life all the way up till now. But I look at the benefits of it and people are making those, those uh, risk-reward evaluations in their mind of what they could and should and need to be doing and fitness keeps popping up and they think, well, I've had a bad experience with fitness. So what, what do I do with that? And you, you then go to somebody and a lot of times that personal trainer that you may go to 
you think of them as that middle school coach that you had such a terrible experience with because uh, you didn't do well in it. It didn't work for you. So these bad experiences come along with it. Well, what about the good experiences? They have to be brought along as well. So your experience may mean that you were very well versed in fitness. It, it's amazing. Sometimes I get clients that come in and I think, My, how do you know so much about what this is? Are you listening to the podcast? Are you? And, and I have people that I train that will question me about things that are going on in the podcast. They'll ask me questions about it. Why? Because they listen, they're interested, they take their experience and they'll say to me, well, what about this? And I remember my wife and I, when we first started dating, uh, we'd go to the gym together and I couldn't, I couldn't work out with her <laughs> because she had her own plans and what she was going to do. And then every time I would suggest it, she'd ask questions, she went to do this. And I was like, I don't, I wasn't ready to teach. I was just ready to tell. I wasn't ready to teach. I wasn't ready to take your experience and then do that sensory motor integration, right? Like I bring information in, compile it, and then deliver something back out that works better. It was either do this or don't do it. And we figured, well, it's probably best that we don't work out together. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. I'm a different place now. I still don't want to train my wife, but I'm in a different place now where taking that experience from people and making those applications, I think that they are incredibly important and they should be applied. And then what we do is then we put it back into the planning, the evaluation of the instruction that we provide for their training programs. So that second one about their experience then feeds back into the first tenet of Malcolm Knowles' principles of teaching, which is having them contribute to their own planning and their own evaluation of what's going on and what they're doing. One of the reasons that's so important to have people contribute is oftentimes we tell people what to do. The, the sticking power, the staying power of that, the application of those things on days that they're not training with you isn't there. And I don't know what to do because you always tell me what to do, so I, I didn't know. Or even people who you write programs out and they know what to do, if they didn't have any part of putting that program plan together, add this exercise. You know I love this exercise. Can we do this one? Can we put that one in? I like this one. Oh, I can't stand that exercise. Well, if my goal is to try to get you to exercise more on your own, then I need your input because I need to know what you are okay with doing before I write a program out that I want you to do. All right, so those are, those are two principles. Let's get on to the third one. The third one is adults are most interested in learning subjects that have immediate relevance and impact to their job, their personal lives, and their goals. So what does that mean? That means I'm coming to you as a training client for a reason and I need it to have immediate relevance. And the reason that, that this should be brought up and to be talked about is that a lot of times people come to us and they're talking about weight loss. And I think this is important to talk about because all of the folks out there that have gone through the corrective exercise program have thought this in their lives, but didn't really know how to ask it or just didn't want to mention it. So let me say, hey, Rick, let me ask you a question. 
I have a client that wants weight loss, but their overhead squat assessment, feet are out, knees are in, arms fall forward, low back arches. There are a lot of things that are going on. I, you might be looking at me going, oh, you probably shouldn't train them for weight loss because they have so many other issues that are taking place. That's not the answer I'm going to give you. They came to you for a reason. So foam rolling their calves and their TFLs and their adductors and their lats and their pec minor and then stretching those muscles and then spending a lot of time doing the core activations that help to support it and the joint uh, stabilization work that helps to support it. They're good. They're helpful. They're beneficial. But if you're doing that only and not concerned or focusing at all on their weight loss, then that is a disservice to your clients. And it does not have immediate relevancy. It does not have an immediate impact on their goal. It might have a really good impact on your goal for them. And that's not to be discredited because as a movement professional, we need to look at the quality of their movement. But Here's one of the things we talk about corrective exercise a lot. It is putting together a specific training protocol for corrective exercise as a warm-up. So it prepares their body much better than many other warm-ups for the work that those people are about to do. I'm taking this and I'm going to foam roll your calves and the TFL and the adductors and the lats and pec minor, those things that we kind of talked about. And then let's stretch those things. And now let's do some hip work, some stabilization, some core work, some scapular stabilization, maybe some feet grabbing exercises, strengthening the feet. And then what? We're not going to spend an hour doing that. We can do maybe a, an extended warm up because your client needs that. But at that point, let's say you put in 20 minutes of corrective exercise. Now what? More corrective? I don't think so because that's not helping them reach their goal. It's going to help you get to your goal for them, which is I want you to move better. But if people move better and they still aren't actually creating any weight loss, and if you're not talking to them about their nutrition and their macros and what they're eating and snacking and food journaling, if you're not doing all of that other stuff, you're just foam rolling and stretching and all the stuff that you know we at NASM love, but a lot of times people make this seem like we love it so much that we don't help to get to any of the other goals that people are looking for. And that is a falsehood that I want to try to eradicate out right now. Our purpose is to help you safely, effectively, and efficiently reach your goals. And so the safety, safety effectively and efficiently has to do with your ability to move well. And then you got to do what? You got to move. Then the moving takes place. So um, we take what's relevant to our learning subjects. We take our clients and we find out what's important to them, and we can let them know this is important to me as a personal trainer. I want to address your arms falling forward. I want to address your low back arching. Maybe assist with some of the low back discomfort that you might be feeling. Maybe help with some of the pes planus that's going on, the flat feet. Maybe it'll help with all of that stuff, but what is their goal? To lose weight? What should our goal be? To help them lose weight plus the other things. So 
Now we got to look at what is the fourth principle that Malcolm Knowles talks about in adult education, and can we make that application for personal training? And I think we can. That application, the fourth one, is adult learning is problem-centered rather than content-oriented. And you know this because you've gone to a class and it's all content-oriented. It has nothing to do with your day, your issues, your problem, your goals, your needs, your wants, nothing. It's just content. And then from the content, you have to figure out, can I take any of that content and help apply it to my everyday life to help me solve problems? Well, adult education is interesting, right? Why do people take, what do you take a class as a personal trainer? Because you want to solve a problem. What is that problem? I want to help people move, live, function better, lose weight, be fitter, decrease the uh, morbidity and mortality rate that's taking place through the medicine that is exercise. That's important. What's the problem? The problem is I want to come to a personal trainer because uh, I have type 2 diabetes or I have some heart rate issue, heart issues. My doctor says, my wife says, my husband says, the people around me say that all externally motivated and it's fine, but you walk in the door, you're doing it for what? To solve a problem. So I think we can take this in particular and apply it from adult education. I'm learning information to solve problems to I'm going to see a personal uh, trainer to help solve some problems. So what are the problems that our clients want solved? And sometimes we just provide the, the content and we say, and I remember, I remember doing this too. There was, a, there was an elderly gentleman that I was training. He wanted to learn the machines and exercises. And as I was working with him, I thought, oh my goodness, you have so many things that you need help with that these machines aren't doing. So I worked with core, I worked with stabilization and balance and all things that he was not interested in at all because he couldn't do any of those things without me. So his goal was to learn to do exercises on his own. And I did not support him in that process at the time. He wanted to learn, how do I do these machines? How do, can you help me with this circuit? And I just trained him the way I wanted to train him. It was not client-centered. It was content-centered. And it was client-centered for me and the fact that this is what I believed he needed, but it had nothing to do with what he wanted. I didn't do a good job balancing those two things. And I think we need to do a good job at balancing the things that people want and the things that we want for people. That's important. That's important. So that's Malcolm Knowles. Malcolm Knowles, uh, I, I just thought, he was one of the first guys that as I was studying, I really wanted to learn more about education because of these principles. They immediately uh, affixed themselves to the fitness world and fitness education. I'm going to go through a couple more things. And, uh, and I do hope that you find it interesting. If you have questions about these and you're listening to the Facebook Live, then feel free to, to ask questions. And then our producer, Eric, will take those questions and send them to me. I'll be happy to try to answer uh, if I can. So here's another uh, educator. 
And the name is Chickering. And this is Chickering's Seven Principles of Undergraduate Education. And I'm going to take Chickering's Seven Principles of Undergraduate Education, and I'm going to apply it directly to personal training. So here it is. Uh, first one, which I think we're not going to get away from it, it it's different because it's not a classroom situation. Chickering says, encourage contact between the clients and the trainer. Uh, there's no way to train unless there's contact between the client and the trainer. So we are good with that. But what we're not good at is ongoing communication outside of maybe that hour long training session that we've had together. And one of the things that seems to make a big difference as we're seeing more and more are touch points throughout the week. So can I just touch point with a client, randomly schedule that in your client so it's not random, um, and send out a message, hey, just checking with you, how's your fitness today? Uh, whatever is most applicable to that client, just checking on you, hope you're well, how's the journaling going for your, your, uh, your food journal? but touch points. And those touch points are far more valuable than we know because we feel good that all we've done is we've worked with them for an hour, high five them or uh, elbow touch during the pandemic and say, great job. Now I'll see you again next week and no more touch points. So be aware of that. Um, the second chickering point is develop reciprocity and cooperation among clients. And, and of course that meant among students, but I do think that this is a nice touch for the fitness professional. And I know fitness professionals who've done this is they take their clients, they create maybe a Facebook group and they, they have all of their clients that train with them and they build a community of, of, of this person's clients. And that has worked out really well for them because not only do people, and you have to be active in the community and support people actively in that process, but now you have people from your own community that are helping and supporting each other. Number three, encourage active learning. And what they do for the students with that is that they'll provide homework, they'll give tasks, they'll create goals for people. I think that that's really important. In fact, I think that clients should have homework. I think that they should have tasks that they do. And I think that they should have performance or event goals. So scheduling things like uh, a 5K with a group in your community. I'm gonna set up a 5K, who would like to join me and train for this 5K and then do this 5K together? What about a mud run or a Spartan race or all of these wonderful performance events that people can participate in? And there's no winning and there's no losing, you don't have to worry, it's about doing it. And then people now have a reason to train that has nothing to do with the scale, it has nothing to do with their HbA1c or their cholesterol or anything like now they're working towards something that's a tangible, seeable, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound. It starts at a particular day. It fits into your smart goals. And now they work towards something. It's pretty good. Number four, Chickering's fourth point, giving prompt feedback. Giving prompt feedback. This is very helpful when people are exercising and they're working on technique or they come to you with things that they've done, providing prompt feedback. It doesn't mean rush your answer. 
doesn't mean hurry up and tell them what to do. And prompt feedback isn't, think about coaching. It's not necessarily about telling them what to do all the time. Sometimes it's about questioning them to get them to think more. And sometimes they can answer their own questions that they may have. So give prompt feedback to people, but don't be an over-cure. So when it comes to exercise, don't over-cue people. Give them something to do. Short cues, brief cues, not soliloquies that tend to take place sometimes. Let them do their exercise, brief cue if necessary, finish it, give that feedback, and then have them do it again. All right. The other thing is uh, adding to this with chickering is emphasize time on task. Now in education, we talk about emphasizing time on task, which is don't have this just obligatory time that I have to do this work and it's not scheduled and it's not set. So I don't know when and how and putting things on schedule and then say, all right, like, like the, uh, what's it called? The Pomodoro technique. I, that may not be the technique look it up. Uh, but it would be like studying for 40 minutes and then taking a 20 minute break and study for 40 minutes, take a 20 minute break. Well, then training, it's a little bit different, right? So it would just be scheduling your event that you're going to be doing, scheduling your exercise and committing to that schedule. Here's the other thing. We go back to Malcolm Knowles principles. I want you to be a part of that. I don't want to just schedule you something. I want you to schedule you something. And I can be a voice in that. I can be a sounding board. I can be a mirror. I can listen to what's going on and give you feedback. But I'm going to let you do it. Why? Because when you say you can do it and you've created that um, uh, program yourself, I'm just giving a stamp of approval. You're doing the program. You're more likely to stick with it. Um, also, we should emphasize a couple of other things. Emphasize high expectations according to Chickering. Emphasize high expectations. I will say this. I will emphasize high expectations while working with me because I know that I'm there to be wonderfully supportive. And then I'm going to emphasize lower expectations when you are on your own and allow you to create these small goals, these small um, changes to your day that aren't huge expectations. And you develop those small goals and you hit those small goals, what will happen is that you'll start to build those small goals into larger and larger goals. And you'll create what Barbara Fred Fredrickson refers to as upward spirals. You'll look at this as, as she defines as broadening and building. So you start to take all of these good habits you're applying in your fitness and you broaden that, you build it. So those habits start to have impacts on, well, if I can do this and I can create these changes in my life, maybe I can apply this also to parenting or my, my own education while I'm studying for an NASM specialization, or I can take this education, or I can take these uh, principles I'm learning and take these small bite-sized bits and applying this to my work, relationships, and broadening and building and creating an upward spiral. And then the final thing with chickering is that 
people have different talents and they have different ways of learning. Can I apply that to personal training? For sure, I can. And one of the things I look at is I, I love cueing people into exercises and focusing on certain things. And, and I've done several cueing videos for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. So you may have seen some of those videos. Here's the thing. It doesn't always work. And when you first start doing it, you think, what's wrong with those people? Because this works for everybody else. It doesn't work for this person. So there's something wrong with them. And that's, that's not true. They just they don't learn that way. They don't receive information the way that you've been delivering it. So what that is now is a learning opportunity for us as trainers, as educators, movement educators, as coaches to expand our um, cueing ability to now take something that isn't working for some people and start to applying it to somebody else. And now we're taking their experiences and their mistakes and their positivities. And we know that the way that we've been teaching doesn't work well, or the way we've been coaching doesn't work well with that person. And we got to get that feedback from them. And if we're not getting the feedback, if all we're doing is dictating what's going on, then we're losing some people. And for me to be better, I, I like it. I like when people don't get my cues because that is now time for me as a learner to learn how to better teach a different type of person. It's an opportunity for me. And I used this example before, but uh, you may know this. I'm a, I'm a big Alabama football fan. And back in the day, Coach Bear Bryant was coaching the Alabama Crimson Tide and he would uh, interviewers would ask him after a win, uh, coach, what did you do? And led these fellas to a win. He said, oh, he's just a country accent. Oh, grumble. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Them boys went out there and they played their hearts out and they did the best they could and they won the game. So he gave all of the credit to the players. And then when they would lose, which wasn't as often, but when they would lose, coach, Butterfingers drop the ball. People aren't doing anything. Handoff, people dropping, people uh, missing their blocks. What all did they do wrong? And boys didn't do anything wrong out there. They went out, played their hearts out, and they did the best they could. And I just didn't coach them up good enough today. So he took the responsibility in that experience when it wasn't successful. And so what that does, it takes the pressure off of the student athletes. Same thing, take the pressure off of your clients and better yourself. Make application for yourself. All right. If anybody is out there listening right now and you're doing uh, you're doing the, the Facebook live video that NASM is streaming live, you have questions about what I'm talking about today or questions that have to, these are the, the my client questions. So I have a client, my client, I have somebody. And these are the kind of questions that we get in workshops quite a bit. So if you have a client that you think that some of this information might apply to, or you have questions, then I'm going to talk for a few more minutes. If the questions pop up, I'd be more than happy to answer your question. So I'm going to review one more time the things that we had spoken about today. One is the difference between pedagogy and andragogy, which is uh, looking at uh, kind of child-focused learning 
and pedagogy versus adult-focused learning. And, and pedagogy can be used as an all-encompassing term for how we educate, but it does tend to be teacher-centered. It tends to be externally motivated, which is like grades. You have to get a good grade. You have to get a good grade. Uh, andragogy, maybe a little less focus on grade, a little more focus on are you getting it? Are you learning the content so you now take it and apply it? Let's talk about motivation. One is a bit more externally motivated versus internally motivated because as adults, you don't have to go back and learn. As adults, clients don't have to come to you and train with you as a personal trainer. It's, an, it's not compulsory that they work with a fitness professional. So it is internally motivated. They're showing up for a reason. The four principles, one more time. Uh, from from um, Malcolm Knowles, teaching principles, adults need to be involved in the planning and evaluation of their instruction, experiences, including mistakes. So I can now train you and try to avoid some of the mistakes, the things that you don't like, the things that you do like. So maybe I can incorporate more of those things you do like in order to get you to continue to, to do the program and do the work. Your experience provides the basis for learning activities. You're not getting grown-ups coming in the door as a blank canvas going, I don't know, I've never done anything before. I don't know, I'm a blank canvas, I'm a clean slate. Just do what you will. Mm -mm. Grown-ups got opinions about things and they have experiences with things. And this is the kind of thing we're talking about when it, if you've ever heard a teacher say, and these are the good ones, uh, I learn as much from my students as they learn from me and I'm not entirely sure that that's true but the point is, is that we learn as educators when you ask questions and you apply your life back to the content that's being learned. And we go, oh my gosh, what a great application for that. And I'm learning. And the teacher needs to be a learner from their students, especially an adult student that comes with a lifetime of experience. Number three, adults need to be, uh, adults are most interested in learning subjects that have immediate relevance and impact on their lives, their personal goals, their life goals. It has immediate relevance. And if it doesn't have immediate relevance, then you're not applying to a, an adult the way the adult wants to receive that information. And then the fourth one, adult learning is problem-centered rather than content-oriented. You may want to provide all of the information, all the workouts from the OPT model. I, that's great. But the OPT model is the content. If you're working with somebody and they have a focus, you might have to switch things up from this linear progression through the OPT model to a means that serves your client in the way that works better for them. What does that mean? That might mean that you get somebody and doing stabilization work, just they hate it. They hate it. They're not going to keep coming back to you, but they sure do love the three sets of 10 um, standard kind of muscle, muscular development training protocols. You should probably do something that they buy into and they can sneak in some of the other stuff until you get, they need to buy into you. I think it's really what we're looking at. 
And so the way that they can buy into you is buying into something they're already comfortable with and associate it with you. And then they trust you and then they can trust you to do this. Okay, well, let me try this core stabilization exercise. Let me try a balance exercise, something that they were uncomfortable with, but now they're comfortable enough with you to try something else. All right, um, so that was Malcolm Knowles chickering. Let me just review these and then we will uh, uh, answer questions if they come up. Chickering, number one, encourage contact between clients and trainers, regular contact. De two, develop reciprocity and cooperation among clients. Three, encourage active learning. Homework tasks create goals outside of the gym that you can start to work toward, maybe like a 5K. Give prompt feedback. Emphasize time on task. Communicate high expectations. And people have different talents and they learn in different ways. And we need to understand those things. So, um, all right, here we go. Uh, let me go over to Eric and see if we've got any questions coming in and uh, be happy to answer them. All right, so Monica, Monica Cartwright, thank you so much for, for asking a question. How do I coach a client who gets discouraged from looking at the scale every day? Monica, thank you for asking that question. And I think that we as personal trainers have all been uh, presented with this conundrum. I've got a client that weighs themselves every day. One of the things that, that I would encourage is, remember we talked about the event and performance-based goals where I am directing somebody more towards, can we work to get you to accomplish maybe a 5K or a mud run or a Spartan race or um, some other type of event, a performance. And the reason why that's so important is that you can probably track your progress towards that a little bit better. And there's a consistency that goes along with it, right? Like I consistently working towards an end goal and it's time bound because we know that the performance is going to happen on a certain day. Now stick with me for a moment, Monica, cause I'm gonna bring it back around. That means <clears throat> if I'm preparing a six week training to get to the point where I know that I'm gonna to do this 5K or this 10K, then there's a sense of urgency that's going along with it. It's time bound, it's relevant to my goals. And the process of me working towards that also is a process that may in fact help with weight loss. So I want to encourage people that it is the consistency of working in your fitness and working on your lifestyle and working on your wellness, the consistency at which we do that is so important that if we take something and we obsess over the A1Cs and the cholesterols and the, they're important, those things can be uh, addressed with medication. When we have weight loss clients, your exercise program is not the best way for that client to lose weight. However, it is one of the most supportive ways for losing weight. People lose more weight when they address their diet but people who address diet only are not as successful as people who address both their diet and perform exercise. We also see a good uptick 
and the ability to lose weight and have weight continue to stay off when diet, resistance training, and cardiorespiratory training are all added into that. Well, um, they're getting discouraged because they're looking at the scale every day. Um, I, I would encourage not to look at the scale daily. Uh, when, I, when I prepare to run the 5K, I don't wake up and see if I fail at running the 5K every day and see if I can eventually get to the 5K. You set a time to see the scale and then you work towards that. Well, what if they gain weight during that time? It's a good question. I wouldn't put that at a six-week scale weigh-in, but don't put it in daily because when you look at small changes over time, nothing's more frustrating than not adding the overtime part. If you look at a whale and you're like, man, I've got to eat that thing. That's a big, big creature. I got to eat it. I got to eat the whole thing. And you nibble and you nibble and you take bites and days can go by and weeks can go by and it looks like there's nothing that's been addressed. Whale eating, it's a weird, it's a weird way to look at it. Talking about eating whales. If you understand the analogy, the thousand miles, walk a thousand miles. And every day you look back and you go, I only walked three miles. I only walked three miles today, two miles that day. I was sore. I couldn't walk that day. It's been a whole week. I'm only 10 miles into this thousand mile thing. It's never going to happen. The never going to happen part is going to make it never happen. Those small things over time need to build up. All right. Uh, I think we have another question. So, uh, Eric, what do we have? What's a, and Monica, thank you for that question, by the way. And I hope that my rambling, um, at least early on, answered the question. And then I thank you for indulging a soapbox for me uh, following. All right. This one is coming from Brent Lewis. Brent, thank you so much for listening to the show, being a listener. Um, it says... How can I encourage my client to, be, to better adherence to nutritional changes like meal planning and meal consistency? All right, Brent, here's what I think's probably happening is um, you've introduced them to this concept of meal prep and planning those meals out. And, and they've said, that's a great idea. I should probably do that. They don't know what to do or how to do it. So then you provide the information and they go, oh, okay, great. Now this is, now I know what to do. I don't know if this is the case at all. Brent is probably right there going, that's not right. And he's typing in. So maybe it is, maybe it's not, but follow with me. You provide them information. This might be a good way to do it. I like to do Sundays for my meal prep. So Sunday I can do all the chopping and all the cutting and the, the cutting boards and the knives and then this is out and start cooking and and then put everything in their Tupperware and then, and, and then you put them in the refrigerator and your meals are prepared. That's a great way. But if your client, Brent, didn't participate in any of that, and so it was really a, a guided study on this is what I do or what you should do or you should consider as opposed to what can you do? And then once they provide that information, this is something that comes from uh, the motivational interviewing. Motivational interviewing will say, 
All right, cool. On a scale of of one to ten, on what you've told me, on a scale of one to ten, what you told me that you can do, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you actually think you could adhere to that for one week? For one week. Scale of one to ten. And they go, three. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, what? You just told me you can do it. Now you gave me a three on the scale of one to ten. But hold back that writing reflex, another another motivational interviewing concept. Um, ask them why on a scale of one to 10 is a three. Like, why did you go that high? You could have said one or two. You could have said zero. I'm not going to do it. You could have gone lower, but there are things about it that you can do. Now you're asking them the questions that they can give a positive response to, and they can say, well, I can do this. Now we're getting them to talk about what they can do and not focus on what they can't do. And if you said, why wouldn't it be higher? And they will tell you all the things that they can't do, which is why it's not higher, as opposed to telling you what they can do. And then Brent, that is your job to take what they can do and bolster that, add strength to that, encourage it and focus on it and get into it because that is the kind of stuff that our clients need. That's the kind of stuff that they want. That's the support that they want to hear. And that's not the support that they're used to hearing because the support that they're used to hearing sounds like this. Really? That's it? Why can't you do better? Why can't you do better than that? Um, so anyway, that's just my, my take on it have them go back to what we talked about in adult education, have them be a contributor to their experience. Uh, I want to give another shout out, uh, Justin, Jus Oka. Uh, he passed his NASM exam. He hit me up on Instagram and he was like, I love your podcast. I love listening to it. I passed my NASM exam and I just want you to just give me a shout out. So instead of shouting him out on social media, I decided to shout him out on the podcast. So congratulations, Justin. Josh, you did a great job. Looking forward to having you part of the NASM family. For everybody out there listening, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your interest. I hope that you can take some of this information that we know from adult education and we can make application with our clients. And then if this sparks interest in you, maybe it's the what's next. Maybe you go, oh my goodness. I, I want to learn more about education so I can educate my clients better. Or I want to learn more about training principles that I've not thought about because I want to be able to train because uh, it has immediate application, because it is a problem that you're trying to solve. It has immediate relevance on your life. All of these things we apply back to adult learning and things that I hope that work for you. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time, your attention. If you made it to the end of the podcast, uh, thank you. Thanks for making it all the way to the end. And uh, if you have questions for me, then hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, or email me rick.richie at nasm.org. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have and maybe even turn them into a topic for a podcast. Then thanks, everybody. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.